0: Hello, I'm Vincenzo Genovese, journalist from Brussels, where I follow EU news. As I promised in my last episode, we will continue our journey into EU defense policies. We have seen in previous episodes that, in the face of the war in Ukraine, the EU has sought to fill the gaps in its defense integration. We have already reviewed the main new tools it has developed. However, All this requires the European Union and its member states to come up with a new vision for its defense and security ambitions. If the Russian aggression against Ukraine marked a turning point in the perception of the EU's defense policy, the bloc will not be able to avoid a debate on Russia either. Indeed, when the war is over, and whatever its outcome, Russia will still be there, on Europe's doorstep, with a large population, a spirit of confrontation renewed in the Cold War era and probably the possibility of rebuilding its military capability. This is what Zach Pekin, researcher at the Center for European Policy Studies, told me when I met him at the Center for European Policy Studies in Brussels.
1: Russia is going to remain an important power in Europe. That's inevitable with a major stake in the future of, 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 of the of the European security system. So uh, you know the, the Russia question has to be addressed at some point. and right now it's not fundamentally being wrestled with. Um, so that's definitely something to, to be concerned about. You, you cannot have simply you know consistent debate over how much um, you know, military support Ukraine needs to get, um, replace the much more difficult questions. Uh, of of what the future of the European security order is going to look like. So we need to keep our eye on these strategic questions as well and to understand the trade-offs that are involved. This is
0: why the EU has come up with its so-called strategic
1: compass.
0: This comprehensive defense and security plan, approved by EU foreign and defense ministers in March 2022, could be a real game-changer for European defense policy. The compass aims to guide the EU to become a key player in its own security and defense. When he presented the strategic compass to the member states, EU High Representative for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy Josep Borrell explained that this was not the answer to Russian war, but a part of the answer, labeling this strategy. As an ambitious way forward for our security and defense policy for the next decade. Zach Pekin, first, it is not enough.
1: You know, at the end of the day, uh, despite all the progress that the EU might be making on the, on the sort of security and defense front as a result of this war, um, it still shows uh, the extent to which the future of Europe's security order might be written by by Russia, by Ukraine, and and by the United States, and that the EU will sort of remain some sort of a, not entirely, because it can still demonstrate influence on on, on some fronts, uh, although the the future of the the, the enlargement process, which is one of the key ways that the EU shapes its neighborhood, is also something that's very much up in the air right now. But it does show that that there is a risk that the EU will, to a large extent, remain a bystander on its own continent in terms of of shaping the future of the Continental Security Order. And that's something that should very much concern uh, Europeans across the continent.
0: This strategic compass is built around four pillars. Act. Invest partner and secure, with concrete objectives and means for each of them. In this episode I would like to look at the first of these pillars, the one called ACT. Its main purpose is to provide the EU with a rapid and robust capacity to act in the event of a crisis. This mainly translates into the establishment of what is labeled as a strong EU rapid deployment capability a force structure of up to 5,000 troops, which will be used to act quickly and independently in critical scenarios outside the EU. Disarmed force is, I believe, one of the most interesting points in this plan. The troops would have a permanent headquarters, adequate funding, staff and infrastructure, such as transport personnel, intelligence, satellite communication, medical care, and the units. Furthermore, all troops contributed by member states to these projects should be exclusively assigned to it, except in case of emergency in their respective countries. Given these features, this capacity could be considered by some as the first step towards a new army, or at least an instrument for the EU to become a real and credible geopolitical actor according to the Spanish Socialist MEP Javi Lopez, rapporteur for the file in the Foreign Affairs Committee. However, some of his colleagues are more critical. For former Lithuanian Prime Minister Andrius Kubilius, whom I met at the European Parliament in Strasbourg, the entire strategic compass was a stillborn instrument from the scratch as it was initially conceived before the war in Ukraine.
2: Strategic compass was you know, developed before the war. It was adopted, maybe, I don't remember even when it was adopted, but it was developed as a, as a concept before the war. So I think that uh, really we shall need to come back you know, to
0: some kind of uh, new you know, strategic compass. As for the rapid deployment capacity, he believes that it is insufficient to address real defence challenges how big, you know, military
2: army you need to have in order to defend your country like Ukraine is doing, you know, against Russian invasion. So 5,000, it's almost peanuts, you know. So for what, for what, you know, purpose we shall try to create this, you know, European army is not very clear. Maybe it's needed for some kind of, you know, special operations for, you know, to bring stability into some, you know, African countries or whatever but not really uh, we 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 should not allow ourselves to be misled that this is uh, you know that that such a you know arrangement would be helping us uh, you know in in our uh, you know defense or deterrence of you know Russian
0: aggression for MEP picobilius the EU's action should instead focus on reinforcing coordination for instance, by strengthening its institutional response capacity instead. What we need to have in Europe
2: when we are talking about you know, our defense capabilities. As I said, you know, I see institutional problems that we need to have uh, somebody whom we should call you know, defense uh, uh, commissioner who will take care about that policy as a very important policy. Then we need to find a way how to synchronize
0: or streamline our defense industries. Indeed, in Lithuania, as in most countries in the eastern part of Europe, there is a reluctance to consider defence outside NATO. Without proper guarantees and mutual assistance in the field of defence, EU countries will continue to seek their security elsewhere as André Sapir, an advisor to former European Commission President Romano Prodi, and now an analyst at the Bruegel Think Tank, remind us I visited him a few weeks ago in his office. If
3: you recall, uh, the countries of Central and Eastern Europe uh, that became members of the, uh, of the European Union in 2004, uh, many of them, they were already members of of NATO, for instance, Poland was member and had its objective to be first member of NATO. So first the security issue, and then let's say the economic. So first NATO for security, second uh, the EU not for security, not uh, in a military sense, but for its economic uh, development. So here Ukraine, uh, if it joined the EU. Um, we know the EU does not have an army, so uh, the EU cannot really ensure security. Even though there is an article uh, in the treaty that uh, speaks of you know mutual uh, assistance, um, okay, mutual assistance without uh, an army uh, is not uh, is not the same thing as mutual assistance.
0: NATO with with real uh, military uh, military capability still. MEPs suggested several elements to beef up the rapid deployment capacity. They proposed that the troops should conduct regular joint exercises, be available for cover, rescue and evacuation operation and reach full operational capability by 2025 at the latest. The proposal was endorsed by the Parliament Foreign Affairs Committee and will be voted in the April session of the Chamber. When definitively approved by the European Parliament and with its full operational capability reached, the rapid deployment capacity will provide a first answer on the real impact of strategic compass on new defense policy. But this military capability raises many more questions, not least of which is, who should lead it? Ultimately, a European army would require a common European foreign policy, which is currently not provided for in the EU treaties. But perhaps uh, the reverse is also true. The European Union could hardly become a relevant geopolitical actor in the world without a credible military power next time i will look at another dimension of the strategic compass the security pillar which is mainly reflected in this so-called hybrid toolbox stay tuned